Good morning. Thank you for getting up so early. I actually got up 45 minutes earlier than the alarm clock because the alarm clock in the room next to me woke me up. <clears throat> anyway, okay. Um, can you please join me for the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, the topic of this workshop is relationships in recovery. My name is Laura, and I am one of the leaders for this meeting, and the other speaker is Roxanne from Ottawa. <clears throat> I'm from Pisgah Forest, North Carolina. The session is being taped and will not be edited. Please note that this session might be available online or on a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. Will someone please volunteer to be the timer? Okay, thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> oh, it says leader shares 20 Okay. Um, leader shares 20 minutes. And then I guess you, oh, I don't care, whatever. <clears throat> you sure? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Might as well get it over with. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, give me a 10-minute reminder, please. Okay. Thank you. Um, I am not, my name is still Laura Gray for Recovering Compulsive Overeater, and I am, thank you everyone for being here, and again, thank you so much for getting up early. Um, I am not here to profess uh, that I know all about relationships, but what I can tell you is what I have learned since I'm in the rooms of OA, and most definitely what I have learned the past three and a half years, and actually what I've learned since January. So I'm going to take you back to January of this year. January of this year, I was going down to my driving down to my daughter's in uh, South Carolina, and um, these little bratty kids threw rocks at my car. It was in the nighttime, and I swerved. They put a nice big dent in the hood of my car, but in my midst of swerving, I hit two plastic garbage pails. Didn't hit anyone, so I just left and went to my daughter's. But in my, I was shaking like this. And I got to my daughter's and I told her what happened. And she said, you better call Harv. That's my husband. Oh, no, I can't call him now. I was shaking in my boots. I was so fearful of calling my husband and telling him that I smashed up my own car. I didn't call the police. I didn't want to call the insurance company because then your insurance goes up. So when I got home from my daughter's on Monday... Uh, on my way home, I stopped at an auto collision place to see what the estimate would be. It wasn't a very nice estimate. It was almost $4,000. <clears> so I got in the house, and I sat, and I said to him, I need to tell you something. And I was still like that. And what I realized is that's my residual from my childhood. And I really needed to work on a lot of my residual issues from my childhood. Um, and what I, um, what I realized was <clears throat> walking through those fears, um, I'm never enough, no one cares about me, I'm always wrong, um, people always leave me, everything is my fault, um, I'm here to take care of everyone else and no one's here to take care of me, I don't deserve good things, uh, no one will ever love me, men only want one thing, sorry guys. Um, According, 
uh, avoiding conflict to keep the peace. Um, I have to be perfect in order to be loved. I'm not allowed to get angry. I'm ugly. When um, someone spoke last night, they said about ugly. I was called ugly all my life. Um, and, I was, and I did not grow up as a heavy kid. I was a thin kid growing up. Um, not allowed to get angry. I'm ugly. I'm nothing without my achievements. What I've achieved in life, I'm nothing unless I have them. I was a brandy leader. I was a Girl Scout leader. I was vice president of PTA. I did this. And, and even in OA, I did stuff. Um, I'm destined to fail. I'm worthless. And I'm too much for other people to understand me. And that's how I felt when I first came into these rooms. A lot of those things are all fear-based. And for me, what I realized was um, I have to walk through those fears because if I don't walk through those fears, I'll be walking into the refrigerator. Um, I came into these rooms at 409 pounds. Um, I am a relapse survivor. I did it the old-fashioned way. I'm not judging anyone who had gastric bypass surgery. But there are people that ask me, did you have gas gastric bypass surgery? And I said, no. Um, and I'll tell you a funny story about that. Five years ago, I went to talk to someone at a bariatric hospital about gastric bypass for myself. I'm 70 pounds less than I was three years ago. And um, I sat in this room with a whole bunch of other people listening. And the thing that made me get up and walk out was this. They said, well, they, we put you on a liquid diet, and you'll lose weight real fast. But if you start losing weight too fast and your insurance company won't cover it, we have a way that will make you stop losing weight and gain some weight back. And I was like, you're kidding me. I sat there for two seconds, and I said, no. This showed me that I just need to keep on track with what I'm doing with OA. And again, it has nothing to do with the food. It has to do with how I feel about myself. And for me to feel um, better about myself, I need to do more program. Uh, I moved from an area that had meetings 10 minutes away. I now live in an area where the closest meeting on a Thursday night is a half an hour away that I started. Um, the other meetings are anywhere from an hour to an hour and 45 minutes away. So um, I'm here today, and this is in, like, my prenup. When I got married three years ago, you cannot stop me from going to my conventions. What stopped me from going? My husband, not a problem. I said, because if you do, you'll end up with a real fat wife and a very bitchy person. <clears throat> and we'll probably end up in divorce court. <clears throat> um, relationships, so that's part of my, my starting of my history to me is not what matters today. What matters today is how I get through life on a daily basis. Um, the first thing I realized over the past 10, 11 years is I had a God in my life, but he was busy doing things for everybody else, not for me. And <clears throat> Um, when I went into a relapse, in, it was 2002, when I went to a relapse in 2002, um, someone betrayed me, a fellow female worker, which there weren't many where I lived. I was an electrician. 
and um, where I worked, I should say. Um, and I, uh, she betrayed me. I'll fix her. And you know what I did? I gained 80 pounds in six weeks from May 21st to July 4th when someone took a picture of me and I didn't even know who that person was that, that was in that picture. That's how much weight I gained in eight weeks. <clears throat> um, so when I came back into the rooms, I realized what piece was missing. And the piece for me that missing was God. I had to find a God of my understanding. I had gone to a spirituality workshop, and there was a nun there. I grabbed her and held her, and I still hold her till today. We talk on the phone. She's on Long Island. Um, I said to her about being brought up Catholic, and I do not believe in a lot of things the Catholic Church does, whatever, but there is a God that I believe in, and I know he's there for me, no matter what. Through good and bad, through thick and thin, he's there for me, no matter what. As long as I seek him, as long as I look for him, as long as I ask him, he's there. I don't always get the answers I want. The answer could be yes, the answer could be no, the answer could be maybe, and the answer could be wait. And those are the things, you know, that's the things that, that I have <clears throat> learned. And that's where my spiritual <clears throat> journey began, and it really helped me. Um, I don't know if I'm going to, if you're going to understand this visual, but picture a triangle and actually an upside down triangle. And um, one side you got a firefighter, <clears throat> one side you have a manager. And on the bottom, you have all that shame, uh, not worthy, you know, all those words that I try not to live in today. But you know what? I'm not perfect, and sometimes those things come up. Like when I had that car accident, and my husband said to me, when I, after I had said it to him, he said, you know, hon, I've done as many bad things as you have. Don't ever worry about anything that ever happens. That man is a gift to me from God. Believe me, he's a gift to me from God. <clears throat> so in that triangle, <clears throat> when those, that shame and uh, that manager up here will tell me, um, <clears throat> you need to do something about it. So I call on the firefighter, and the firefighter is God, people in program, a meeting, whether it's live or phone, because that's what I do. And they help extinguish those fires that come up with the shame and all that stuff. <clears throat> and I liken the big book to the family afterward. I liken the big book to the to uh, the wives, which I read it. I'll say to them, I'll come out with things and that, and I'll say it to my husband. Um, and I love, it's crazy, but we agnostics. Read that chapter. That chapter just opened my heart. And I always believed in God. I just didn't think he was there for me. <clears throat> and that's because of something that happened when I was a child. Um, my husband and I sometimes... Tenet, thank you. Um, my husband and I sometimes have a difference of opinion. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. It's just a difference of opinion. And we talk things out. I'm not used to that. I'm used to chaos as a kid growing up. I'm used to grow. I, I was married to a man. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. Um, 
I moved out in the middle of the night with two little kids. Um, so that's where, for my, for my part in my life is, that's where I have to heal. Um, I spoke last year in Toronto, and I spoke a lot about my mother's behaviors towards me. And what I worked on since October also was um, I finally have put my mother to rest. She's been at rest since 71, but I've put her to rest for me. And I had a very crazy spiritual awakening with that. And the spiritual awakening I had with that was I was in a store. I don't know if anybody knows it. It's called Mast General Store. It's a really cute little old store where I live. I was looking for a book for a friend who became a grandmother. I was looking for a Halloween book for her granddaughter. And as I was walking into the back of the store, the books are all, all the way on the right for the kids. In the center, they have all these um, kegs. And in those kegs are all different things that I know I had when I was a kid growing up. Penny things of this and penny things. And I just looked at them. I didn't want any of them just reminded me of the good times of my childhood. And I did not eat that stuff compulsively. But let me tell you, if I would have fell in those buckets that day, I probably would have never gotten out of those buckets. There was a woman who was saying to me, she says, oh, my God, wouldn't you like to just have some of them? I said, no, if I had some of them, I said, they'd find me in the morning weighing probably about 500 pounds, and there'd be none left for them to sell. So, you know, we were laughing, so, you know, so she says, oh, she says, I could only have one or two. That wouldn't bother me. I says, well, that's not mine. So, so I said, so, you know, I used to weigh 409 pounds. She goes, oh, my God, bless you, and blah. So she said to me, can I give you a hug? And she gave me a hug. And we walked around the store shopping together. I never met this woman at all. And all of a sudden, I turned around, and I said to her, can I give you a hug? So she said, Sure. And I haven't done this since I told this story again. Um, I asked her what her name was, and her name was Dot. My mom's name was Dot. That was the day I finally put my mother to rest because I felt as though God sent that woman because I'd been working so hard on that relationship with my mother to be healed. And there was no other way I could, you know, I worked so hard on it. And this woman... Just by chance, chance or oh God, that's up to you. <clears throat> um, I have a relationship with my two daughters now. I wasn't a very good mother. Um, the first, uh, my daughter, my one daughter was 12, my other was 15 when I came into the rooms. They're now 45 and 48. My daughter trusts me with my grandchildren. That shows you where I can, how much I've grown up. Um, my grandchildren don't know the crazy me. They have... No idea, thank you, dear God, of how I was. These hands at one time were like weapons. They could have been thirty-eight caliber pistols for what I did to my kids. And I've made amends to them for that. And I learned that from my parents. And thank God, my daughter, it has not carried on. It has not carried on. Um, <clears throat> my younger daughter went to, <laughs> goes to therapy, and she said to the therapist, well, she's talking to the therapist, she's, okay, she did what she had to do. She calls me on the phone. She goes, well, I'm done with you. And I said, well, what do you mean you're done with me? She says, well, I went to the therapist, and the therapist said to me, well, 
What are the things that get you upset about your parents? She says, well, my mother. She says, what do you mean, your mother? She says, well, my mother had a, my mother worked, and she wasn't there when I got home from school and all that, and it made me mad. And she said, well, what did your father do? And my mother and father were divorced. So she said, so your mother worked to support you? She goes, yes. Yeah. So the therapist says to my daughter, get over it. <laughs> and my daughter had to share that with me, you know, get over it. Um, I went through major PTSD two years ago during the 2016 election and um, I went I I sought out someone to help me and I found a PTSD therapist thank you who also helped me uh, with all the other issues with with, you know relationships and um, she did this thing called EMDR, and I'll leave it at that. And it so helped me. You know, it helped me get through the domestic violence that I thought I was over and done with it. Like I said, that shit pops up every so often. It's how I deal with that shit that pops up that affects me. Do I allow it to affect me, or do I turn it over and look at the positive out of it? I have two beautiful kids. Um, my past is my past and I've learned to live in the present today thank you dear God Um, how not how to think not what to think and making my own choices uh, to be empowered and reclaiming my power as a woman in this world today Um, my my younger daughter is a survivor of rape and um, it took a long time for her to tell me to trust me to tell me and um, because she was threatened. And um, today, thank God, she's doing well. Um, there's times when I get a little crazy, and I was a little crazed on Tuesday and Wednesday because she called me. My daughter was diagnosed with bipolar last year. So, of course, and learning to let go, let go, let go. I can cry over it. I can get upset. I can be there for her. I can be present for her because I'm not in the food and I'm not in any other negative behaviors. And last, I'll tell you, I had a, there's a light switch. And I say to people, there's a light switch for certain foods that I cannot eat, and it's on off. I had a light switch on relationship picker. I was terrible picking relationships. So that relationship picker was also broken for many years. I had to learn to accept myself as I am, to love myself. To be able to find, or I should say, refine the man that I'm married to today. And I have four stepchildren. We have four stepchildren. He, I have four stepchildren. I have two daughters. And we have nine ch- grandchildren between the two of us. I'm blessed that we all get along. And uh, just to let you know, say a prayer for me that you don't find out because I'm giving a surprise birthday, 80th birthday party on. January 3rd, he has no idea. And he's got family in Ottawa that's coming down. And family in Oakville that's coming down in January. So I'm just praying for good weather. So I will leave you with, um, I feel as though I am adored. And sometimes it's hard to accept, even today. It's very hard to accept how how much my husband loves me. Um, And with that, I will say... We're out, and people go up to my husband and ask him for his autograph because my husband looks like Larry David.
So, <clears throat> on that note, and I didn't know who Larry David was when someone came up to me and asked me for an autograph. So, on that note, I will say thank you again, everyone, for being up early. And I will close with thank you, and for the grace of God, go I. Thank you. And, <clears throat> and here is Roxanne. Good morning, everyone. My name is Roxanne, and I'm a gratefully compulsive overeater, but recovering. Okay. Can you hear me now? Okay. All right. So I've been in program since 2007, and uh, I've been abstinent for five years, imperfectly abstinent, I have to say, but abstinent nonetheless. Um, my poison of choice is sugar. And I try to avoid white flour, and um, I weigh and measure my food as best as I can. And I limit carbs. So that's, that's me. Um, thank you for being here. I'm really thrilled, but I'm also very nervous, full disclosure. So, relationships. I come from an alcoholic family. My father, um, I had a very happy childhood up until I was old enough to realize that my father was an alcoholic and that it made my mother terribly unhappy. And she was very, very codependent. So, my role models in terms of relationships weren't the best. Um, I remember seeing my mother cooking supper and crying into the frying pan. And I don't know about you, but there's something about seeing your mother cry that just, it's, it's heart-wrenching for a little kid to see that. Um, but after a while, I saw it so much that it became normal to me to see my mother cry. And in fact, I got to a point where it was, as a teenager, I was kind of mean to her. You know, I'd say things like, well, why don't you just leave them then? Like, you're the one who's putting up with it. And she never left because she was afraid of uh, financial hardship. And she felt that she had worked too hard all her life to end up living in squalor. And so she never left. And, um, you know, that, that kind of, in some weird way, um, made me dislike her. Um, it's just, it's, it's kind of all weird and twisted up and I, I, I've done step work on it, but I, I think at the end of the day, it's really only when my father passed away in 2008 that I really, um, by the grace of God started handling all of that kind of messiness and realizing that, um, all men are not my father. And my poor husband really bore the brunt of a lot of that. Uh, I remember being in university and having a lot of relationships and never trusting any of the men that I dated and always thinking that somehow they were going to betray me or leave me or, you know, it was just all kind of yucky. And then I met my husband, this sweet, gentle guy, but so uncommunicative, like it's, it's desperate. He's just, he wasn't raised to talk about his emotions. And here I was, an open book, always talking about my emotions. And a lot of the time, those emotions were negative. And my husband's typical response was, poor rocks. <laughs> and that was it. And it was like, what? That's all you can say? Um, but, you know, I, I came to a place, um, by the grace of God, where I realized that my husband didn't have to be all things to me that I could have other people in my life who could fulfill me in other ways. And um, through program, I came to really appreciate my husband for, um, just for his kind of, he's, he's not a complicated guy. I'm a very complicated woman. And so he's perfect for me because he, 
he makes me realize that sometimes I don't need to take myself so seriously, and, and sometimes I need to just get over myself. And, you know, the program has helped me that way as well. Um, I guess getting back to my family life growing up, I had a very abusive brother, um, and he's an AA today, and when he made amends to me, you know, he said he was on a peacekeeping um, mission in, in uh, Cyprus many years ago, and he told me that uh, often he was on uh, night watch, and he had hours and hours and hours to think and think and think, and he said he spent hours bawling about how mean he was to me when I was little. And so when he came uh, and made amends to me, first of all, I had no idea he was an alcoholic because we weren't that close and we didn't see each other that much. And second of all, you know, I said, God, I, you know, it's funny. Yeah, you were an asshole, but you were just my asshole brother. You know, like it didn't affect me the way my father's alcoholism and his behavior affected me. But nonetheless, I mean, when, when your brother's mean to you every day and hits you every chance he gets, and, you know, you just, I guess that stays with you a little bit. So I don't think that helped me very much in the trust department. I, I wasn't very trustful of, of guys in general. My mother, um, thank God, was a very strong female role model for me. Even though she was very codependent, she was also very dedicated and very, um, I, I don't know, I, I think if, she's just the, the, the person in my life who... I always think, you know, I, I, I want to be a good person because of her, uh, because she is such a good person, and she she expects me to be a good person. And, and you know, um, now with my program, it's not so much about my mother anymore as much as it is about my HP. But regardless, um, she was a very strong role model for me. However, she did have this kind of weird thing about food. Um, my mother was the daughter of a very obese woman, my grandmother, and therefore, she despised fat people. And um, she was, you know, my mother's been running about 15K a day since the age of 36. And she is now 75. And she's still running 15K a day. My mother is in great shape. She's very thin. Um, and I remember when I was about maybe 12, and I'd gone through my growth, growth spurt, and I was just going through a, a phase where I was neglecting my appearance, and I was gaining a lot of weight. And I remember my mother stood me in front of a mirror and said, look at you, look at you, you're going to be a fat teenager if you don't you know, shape up. You know, you have to make some changes. And I just thought that was so cruel at the time, you know. And um, I don't want to blame my mother for my eventual bulimia, but I, I I do think it did have something to do with that. But the funny thing is, when I was in university in Halifax, and uh, I'd go through yet another heartbreak, um, I'd call my mom and tell her, oh, I broke up with so-and-so, and I'm feeling kind of shitty. And she, like, she'd send me baked goods on the train. <laughs> <laughs> and I lived nowhere, nowhere near the train station, so sometimes it would take a few days before I went and picked up those baked goods. Well, guess what? By the time I got to the train station, they were green. They were just gross. But that was my mother, right? She wanted me to be thin, but then she, she was very kind of into food somehow. And, and you know, I'm from a French-Canadian family, so food was very, very important. And, and uh, so it, it's all kind of mixed up together. Food is good, food is bad, you know. Um, I'd go to family reunions and stuff, and the first thing my aunts and uncles would say would be, uh, have you gained weight or have you lost weight? And they'd say that to each other. It was always about weight. The first thing they said to each other was, hi, how are you doing? Have you gained weight? Or, you know, hi, how are you doing? Oh, you've lost weight. You know, and it was, 
I hated that. I just thought, why is it so important to them? But it's, it's just the way it, it is what it is. So in my relationships, I was very jealous and possessive. Uh, it's probably part of the reason why a lot of guys dumped me. Um, and, and I had a lot of anger towards men in general. My husband uh, somehow put up with all of that. And I remember in the early years of our marriage, he said to me at one point, he said, you know, I, I, it's like I'm not allowed to have friends anymore. You know, it's like I, everything has to be about you all the time. And, you know, I, I miss having friends. And, and poor guy, you know, he never really insisted on, you know, he, he should have stood up for himself, I think, and said, listen, man, I'm going out tonight and I'm going to go have some beers with my buddies. But I don't know, maybe because he's just such a gentle soul, he put up with it. In any case, um, over the years, and, and thanks to program, I realized that a lot of it had to do with me just being really terribly insecure and uh, having a low self-esteem and fear of abandonment, um, very much about fear of abandonment. And um, it got so bad when my children were really small. I have two boys and a girl um, that uh, I, we realized that we weren't doing well at all, that we were arguing a lot. We were not getting along. I was extremely critical of everything he did. I was repeating a lot of my mother's codependent behaviors and that my, my husband is a uh, regular consumer of cannabis. Um, that's his thing. He likes to smoke up. He doesn't smoke up much through the week. It's mostly on the weekends. And I started being like my mom and just being like completely obsessed with his dope smoking. And it, it really wasn't that much. And... Um, thanks to program and working the steps and everything, I realized that what I needed to do was just sit down and have a conversation with him and, and set some boundaries with him. And so what I did was I said, listen, I don't like it that you smoke up. I don't want to see it. I don't want to be aware of it. And I don't want it to affect my life in any way whatsoever. And I said, whether you like it or not, the kids at some point are going to realize that you smoke up. And I said, if you ever say to them, this is normal and it's okay, then I said, that's it, we're done. And I said, if you, get start, you know, if you start getting lazy and listless around the house and not doing your share, then you and I are going to have a talk. And I said, we're going to have to make some changes. We had that conversation about 15 years ago. And um, I cleaned up my side of the street and I stopped doing his inventory. And things got really good after that. So do I approve of his cannabis smoking? No. Um, but it is what it is, and as long as I'm working my program and I'm doing my own inventory and I'm doing my own step work, then I'm good. And so far, so good. Cannabis was just legalized in Canada, what, about a week ago, a week and maybe two weeks ago? So we've had some in interesting conversations with our boys <laughs> about that because uh, my two sons are 21 and 19 and my daughter's 15. So, you know, we're, it's, we've been talking it out and... Uh, you know, my husband, had he never told the kids that he smoked up. And uh, at one point I said, you know, you're going to have to be honest with the boys about what you're doing. I said, because now you're living a lie. And, you know, they're old enough to understand. So we had a crucial conversation. And it went well enough. The boys, if you, you could almost hear their jaws drop <laughs> when they found out their father was like a user of cannabis. But anyway, we had a good laugh over that. So when I was, um, before program, I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, has it been 10 minutes yet? Okay, great. So I didn't have a lot of friends. I came into program, and I think the one relationship that I was most grateful about repairing is my relationship with my higher power. 
Um, I think that is the one thing that really, really um, made me feel so deeply grateful. As a kid, I'd always had faith. I'd gone to Catholic schools. I'd developed my own sense of of my own faith. And uh, when I was in university, I kind of lost it. And then coming into program, it was almost like I had permission to uh, strike up that relationship again with God. And so that, that I think, is, is the one relationship that has been seminal in helping me repair other relationships in my life. I started apologizing to family members and making amends, uh, especially to my children for being so harsh with them at times, being so critical. Um, there, there started being a lot less arguing uh, between my husband and I and around the kids. Um, I started also, my dad passed away uh, from lung cancer in 2008, and I started making amends to him by writing letters and figuring all of that out. My grieving process with my father was very, very difficult because even when he had stopped drinking because he was too ill, I just, I didn't want to have anything to do with him. And uh, I found that really difficult because after he died, I realized that I had missed an opportunity. But in any case, uh, I did have the opportunity to have a a chat with him before he died and to make amends as best I could um, with someone who was in the process of dying. Um, So, you know, I'm I'm really grateful to program for that. Um, I'm still dealing with that grieving process. I still feel a lot of guilt about the way I treated my father. But um, that's why I'm here, right? I mean, I'm here to continue healing from all of these things. Today I can honestly say that I'm happy, joyous, and free. Um, Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. But I have an excellent relationship with my husband because I've accepted him. Acceptance is a big part of our program. Uh, I've stopped fighting myself in all kinds of different ways because I'm my own harshest critic. I'm my my own worst enemy. Um, I have ups and downs with my daughter. She's 15, and she's one of us. She's definitely one of us. And it's hard to see her abusing her body with food the way she does. And I have to let go of that, too, and pray for her. Because nagging's not going to get me anywhere. I know that. Telling her what to eat or how to eat is not going to get me anywhere. So I just have to accept her. And I have to do the opposite to what my mother did, which was shame me for how I looked. Uh, I can't do that. Uh, So I'm really grateful to program for that, too, because program is helping me be more than a mum. Program is helping me be... Um, an OA fellow, even with my daughter, who's not part of the fellowship. Um, even though we have our ups and downs, I think we have a fundamental understanding of each other. And the other day when I was driving her to her figure skating lessons, um, I said to her, you know, I said, you know, Sandrine, it doesn't matter if you don't like me at this point in your life. That's okay. You, won't, you probably won't like me for a few years but at least I know you love me deep down inside. And she said, yeah, you're right, Mom, I do love you. So, you know, maybe I get on her nerves a lot. That's okay, you know, someday, hopefully. But I remember um, one evening we had quite a discussion about her lack of interest in her schoolwork, and she, she just has this way of pushing my buttons. And I said, uh, you know, I think the reason why I react so much to the things you say to me is because you're so much like me. You know, and I said the other night I said something nasty to you. I said I hope you have a kid just like you someday. <laughs> yeah, and I said you know, I'm sorry I said that, but I think it's because in a way it's poetic justice that you're so much like me because you remind me so much of what a sass I was with my own parents, and uh, 
Yeah. Now I, I kind of go back to my mom and I say, Mom, I'm so sorry. I was such a bee with an itch with you. <laughs> so anyway, um, lessons learned over the years. Uh, amends bring healing. They're hard to do, but they bring healing. Putting off amends just postpones recovery. Um, connecting with God is the first thing I need to do every day, and I don't always do it, but I try. I have to pray for willingness to continue to make amends because I'm still really pig-headed, and sometimes I still think I'm right. Um, resentment keeps me in my disease. It takes up a lot of space in my head. And my brother, um, you know, my brother and I have a pretty good relationship now that we're both in 12-step programs. And he always asks me when I'm, you know, obsessing about something somebody did or what or said or whatever. He says, how much rent are you charging the person who's taking up all this space in your head? And that's so true. And I have to remind myself of that. As soon as I start thinking about a situation or something somebody said and it keeps going over and over and over in my head, I know I have to do something. You know, I have to either write about it or talk to them. I, I have to be an adult. You know, I have to stop being a little kid um, and I have to grow up and, and treat the situation the way an adult would. So I have to ask myself, now, how would a normal adult handle this situation? And most of the time, it's about calling the person up and having a chat. And usually it doesn't take very long at all, and it makes all the difference in the world. Um, another thing I've learned is people don't necessarily suck. Uh, you know, often their reaction to us is a reflection of ourselves. Um, so, you know, even though it's taken me a long time to trust people, and I'm still a bit of a, a moving porcupine, uh, you know, I'm prickly, a prickly pear, uh, I try to remind myself that generally people are pretty nice, and it's up to me to, to reach out. And that's hard for me because I tend to recoil a lot. I tend to be reserved. Um, by the grace of God, I have many friends now. You know, just a few years ago, I had no friends. I didn't want friends. You know, I didn't believe in having friends. People sucked, and they just were out to hurt you, or they'd end up disappointing me, and I just didn't want to go there. Well, now I have all kinds of friends. I have my OA friends. I have my swimming friends. I have my rowing friends. I have my Spanish conversation friends. I have all kinds of friends now, and that's great. You know, I, I, I'm out of the isolation, and that's so important to me. I lost my job last November, and that's been really, really hard on me. And um, I'm still kind of working through, you know, what happened exactly. I, w I was terminated without cause. I was told that I wasn't the right fit, which has just been tormenting me for almost a year now, trying to figure out what did I do wrong. You know, I'm, I'm a person who's very dedicated to her job. But, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because I think it was higher power's way of telling me, Enough of working 55 to 60 hours a week. Your daughter needs you. Um, my former employer gave me a very generous severance package, which allowed me to go into consulting. So now I'm self-employed. I'm home when my daughter gets home from school. I'm not flush, um, not earning half as much money as I used to when I was working full-time. But that's okay um, because we're, we're, we're living you know, the way we we should be living and I'm there for my, my daughter and this is a very important time because she suffers from anxiety and depression and so I think it was just higher power telling me okay now you need to be more available to your daughter that's enough because I tend to 
place my work first. I never got home in time for dinner. Um, my husband, you know, was is the kind of guy who would always have supper on the table waiting for me when I got home. Um, but it wasn't the most conducive environment for having strong family bonds. So everything happens for a reason. Uh, in a couple of weeks, it'll be the one-year anniversary of being fired, and uh, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. So uh, anyway, I'm, I think I'm going to have to do a lot of writing because I'm still trying to figure out who stabbed me in the back and <laughs> all that kind of nonsense, which I really don't need to be thinking about at this point. So thanks for listening. So we'd like to remind OA members who are in the in other 12-step fellowships to speak only to your personal recovery as an OA member. This workshop will end at, is it 9 a.m.? Yeah, so we have 15 minutes for sharing. Uh, we'll open the floor for three-minute pitches. The timer will signal you when you have one minute left. If you'd like to share, come to the front of the room and form a line to the right or the left. It doesn't matter to me. Wherever there's more space. Please sign the release form before you speak. Step up to the microphone and introduce yourself. Tell where you're from and how long you've been in OA. We'd like to remind OA members who are in other fellowships, again, to speak only to their personal recovery in OA. Please stick to the topic of this meeting. For those who arrived late, the topic of this workshop is relationships and recovery. And the meeting is now open for sharing. Good morning, I'm Kate. I'm a compulsive reader from New York. So um, this is the one topic that I think I got, <laughs> you know. It's the one that I wanted to come to because there's a lot of things that in a way that haven't, like, struck me uh, normal yet. <laughs> but I think that I've got a lot of, uh, of insight in relationships um, through through several programs. But um, this was this has been a, a bit of a growth week for, weekend for me around this specifically. But I remember a few years ago when I was, um, I was dealing with getting married again and um, I, I just couldn't get this straight and something that um, the speaker said um, was, was really struck me. Really struck me. Um, I was talking to a fellow and I was like, and he did this, and what if he does that, and if he makes me, and I'm like, I'm going to get mad, and she's like, Kate, just talk to him, you know, men have feelings too, I'm like, huh? <laughs> I, no, really? And I couldn't believe that I was even saying that, because obviously that's true, but it never really struck me in here. You know, it was always about how I'm going to get hurt. How I'm gonna like something's gonna happen bad to me, yeah, you know, and um, that was a change for me. That was a, like a psychic shift. It was no longer me in a relationship, and how can I feel better all the time? It was about how can I be a participant in my relationship and make my relationship grow and be a partner. Um, this is now reflecting it in. Um, within a relationship with my stepdaughter who's um, got a pretty severe um, eating disorder. She's living in my house right now um, for about two months. Um, she's also got a drug problem, but that's not what I'm addressing here. Um, we have food issues between us. She, food is disappearing again. Thank you. 
And um, I've been struggling with this for like two weeks. I've been complaining about it to anybody who'll listen. <laughs> and I'm like, I heard something just sitting right here. Still room for growth. Um, and it's something I would say to my own sponsees. Did you talk to them about it? <laughs> like, oh, there you go again, making me feel like other people have a say in this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's where I'm going back to today. I'm going to to come up with a way to, to deal with this directly instead of complaining and letting it eat away at me, no pun intended. Um, so thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, my name is Shirley. I'm from Ottawa. Hi, Roxanne. Um, I came to this one because really when when the food's put down and it's in its place, like the relationships with other people, with myself and with my higher power, that's that that's it. <laughs> there really isn't that much more in life for me, you know, relationships with jobs, with employers. It's it's all about relationships and how I handle them and um and I can only do that with my higher power because without it, I'm a crazy person. I, I grew up in with an abusive, a very violently physically abusive mother and and I could relate a lot to, uh, um, you know, coming out of that, not trusting people. And I've been in, uh, in January, I'll be in program for 30 years. And um, I was able with the steps to completely forgive my mother. And when she died four years ago, I didn't feel any love for her. I've never missed her a day since she died. All, but I did feel compassion for how painful it must have been to live in that brain and be that angry and crazy for 85 years. And uh, that, you know, from the hatred that I came from when I started program, that was a huge uh, move forward. And like, there's so many elements in um, dealing with people in my life. And one of the biggest ones is acceptance. And one of the first things that I learned in program, and when I heard this, it really pissed me off, but that's the way usually, usually things happen for me that first they piss me off. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, as I accept them. Um, so what I heard was, would you rather be right? Or would you rather be peaceful? And I was hanging on to, but I'm right. God damn it. With every fiber of my being. And it wasn't getting me anywhere. It was just getting me like super angry with people all the time. And um, so this uh, this year, uh, I have been dealing with heartbreak. I I uh, fell in love and he uh, with a member, and we were best friends and we did everything together. And we we um, parted ways in February. And I've been heartbroken since then and uh what came up for me was um something that even with all the work that I'd done in other relationships with my parents and my brothers and sisters and all the abuse and stuff that I'd never understood before was feel feelings of abandonment and I realized like it brought up all this feelings of abandonment because my parents abandoned me uh emotionally physically uh financially I'd been abandoned by people over and over again in my life, and I felt abandoned when I when I broke up with this man, and and then I was abandoning myself, and I only abandon myself when I turn away from my higher power. When I turn towards my higher power, when I lean into my higher power, 
I'm there for myself. And that is the greatest relationship, my relationship with my higher power and my relationship with myself. And if that's clean, I can be okay with other people. Thanks. Hi, I'm Ann. I'm a compulsive overeater. Oh, I thought I had like a couple minutes. <sighs> but my heart's racing, so you're supposed to speak when your heart's racing and my hands are sweating. Um, relationships. Uh, I'm an adult child of two alcoholics. One passed away last year. And all that baggage. But I just want to tell you, from all the dysfunction, I'm 54. I've been in program for 25 years and a month, I think, um, going in and out. All I can say is living well is the best revenge. I have broken the cycle. I keep coming to meetings no matter what size my butt is. And I learned a lot of lessons. I learned how to have arguments. I learned how to confront. I learned how to push through the fears. I learned how to make amends. I learned patience. And I... And I'm there for my children. I have a 17 and a 19-year-old. And I still have the same husband. <laughs> we 23 years last week. And I'm, I'm there for my kids. I'll spend hours with my daughter reading lines for her plays. I will shave her head for another play. Hair grows back. <laughs> but I love her. I'm there for my son, and he loves me. And I'll ask him a question on a text, and I get a K back. <laughs> that means he loves me. <laughs> he responded. But we support him in all his, all his things. I go to every one of his band's performances, and they have their own band. He's a rock star or something. <laughs> so proud. And the thing I want to say is, an hour before I had to leave for this convention, and I was coming, damn it, my husband chose to tell me that he's unhappy with a marriage. And because of this program, I button my lip. I let him talk for 10 minutes without saying anything because I learned that from here. And I told him, it seems that I'm not giving you enough time and I don't put you into my daily routine and I'm apologizing. So I'm like whipping out a 10-step while I'm trying to eat my abstinent lunch, having to leave <laughs> to go to Portland. Um, and we're okay. It, 
and this would never, ever, ever happened before a program. I would have been a screaming bee with an itch. Um, that's my normal personality, but stay absent and go to meetings, call your sponsor, keep coming, listen. People have things to tell us. Um, just keep coming. Hi, my name is Megan. I'm a food addict and compulsive overeater from Westchester, New York. Hi. Hi. So I've been in programs since January 6, 2018, and imperfectly abstinent since that time because the choice was death or abstinence. Um, I was 28 when I came into program and had had two dates. Um, had these friends, luckily, but I never talked about myself with them. I thought I was only supposed to be a peacekeeper. I've heard that before. Um, and when I was in program and I was doing my steps, I had dinner with someone and she was like, oh my God, I learned more about you in one hour than I have in the five years of our friendship. Um, so I worked through more steps and started dating and like, I just felt I was like so unlovable before program. Like when you're fat, no one can love you. Right. That's what my mom taught me. Right. It was like, you're, you're worthless. Um, so I started dating, which is terrible. And, um, oh, it's so much worse now, all you guys who've been married for a long time. (laughs) So much worse. I mean, like, literally, it takes two seconds for someone to decide if they want to date you now online. It's lovely for your self-esteem. So I've, uh, I'm also, I was a caregiver for my mom for six or seven years, so she had, um, AFib and COPD and passed away last year. But so I was living with her to take care of her, right? Because um, not codependent at all. And um, my, I had a boyfriend that was pretty serious, and my mom asked him to move in with us. So he did. I was like, huh, I wonder if someone should have consulted me in this decision. <laughs> so um, living with your boyfriend and your mom is awesome or terrible. And I've broken up with him 50 times. Luckily, he doesn't know that um, because it's only in my head. (laughs) I was never taught how to fight because in my family, we just like got upset and held a resentment. You know, like you don't work things through. Like I'm Irish and Scottish and English and you don't talk about stuff. Like you just suck it in. And so like when I get mad at him, I go to F-U-M-F-er. I love the Canadian people who are so nice. I'm just like F-U-M-F-er. I like curse him like in my head. I'm like, I'm going to call your mom from Hawaii and she's going to get you a ticket and you're going to go live with her and I hate you. And I learn that like I don't say that out loud because that's my crazy thought, you know, my my disease thought, but, um, I don't accept him. And I heard that today, like I'm going to stay for the acceptance thing. Um, but I'm just trying to like keep my side of the street clean and know how to stand up for myself. Cause like I learned I'm a people pleaser just last year, fourth time through the steps. Um, but now I know, and just trying to be in right relations because like my head is still too crazy to have like 10 years, you know, like why are these relationships so tough? brings out everything but I'm just grateful for today that whatever craziness is up here doesn't come out my mouth you know but I'm ready for up here to be a little clearer so I just want to say that thank you hi my name is Megan I'm a compulsive overeater thank you and I'm in OA 41 years it took me 14 years to get abstinent and I'm maintaining a 50-pound weight loss. I'm, I was a sugar binger. 
And uh, my my mother is ninety three, and we we've had a really difficult relationship. Uh, she um, was very negative toward me, and um, it it frightened me. It I was just scared, and it made me frightened of other uh, people that uh, they would hurt my feelings. And when uh, somebody criticizes me or is negative, or I even hear negativity around me, I actually go into shock. And um, I used to used to be very bad. Uh, my brain it was like brain freeze. I, I'm just frightened. And um, I had uh, people pleasing was my main character defect, and uh, would always agree with people. Um, I was loud, you know, fun loving and enthusiastic. Uh, but I enthusiastically agreed with people, and um, it, it hurt. It even if they were hurting me, I agreed, and um, so uh, the way that I got abstinent, part of the way, was to stop talking to my mother, and she she would object to every sentence and every pretty much every word. I, I couldn't even get through a sentence, and she would uh, change it and disagree. And, uh, and throughout life, I've picked up, you know, hardy uh, uh, women who are negative. They they they're not bad people, but uh, they're 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 kind of violently negative. Um, and I thought it was like kind of fun, you know, to be like uh, you know kind of Brooklyn negative, you know, and um, uh, but it it is not fun, and it it made me sick. Uh, physically and emotionally, physically with the food. Uh, and I was mostly, I was angry at myself because I was unable to speak up. So um, I was on my knees for seven years praying for God to remove the defect of people-pleasing. And to a very great extent, it worked. And now I feel like, you know, it's not exactly like, don't mess with me. Uh, uh, but it, it's more like that, uh, you know, because I can, I can, with great difficulty, speak up, and I'm very proud of myself for that. But I would really like to make peace with my mother uh, now that she's older and frail. Really, uh, I would. I would like to. Uh, some, somehow, I would like to forgive her and just make some kind of peace with her. And uh, I'm abstinent today. Thank you. Hi, I'm Eileen, compulsive overeater, and um, this topic scares me to death, so I just had to come up here and say that, but, you know, since I've been in program, I mean, I'm here, I'm in a room with two other fellows, looking at one of them right now, no, two other fellows, and we had no issues, we had no problems, courteous, nice, gentle, I want easy street, I want that, what I have, and, you know, my whole life that, like, I'm in charge, I know best, I'm going to play that story till the end, and it's going to be a tragedy, so why go through it, you know, I don't want to do that anymore, so um, I'm just so thankful for program and for understanding I can be different, and then people around me are different, and I look forward to more of that. We'd like to thank everyone who attended this workshop. We'll now close the meeting with the serenity prayer.